0: We'll be in John chapter 16. As I speak, the Rapid City Council members are meeting to decide whether or not they're gonna shut down restaurants, bars, limit gatherings. I don't know how that may impact us as a church. We'll find out. We'll deal with it as it happens. I would imagine that they won't use the word church And so I envision making a call to the mayor's office this week to find out exactly what it is. Hopefully it's clear and that won't be necessary, but just stay tuned, please. Be checking our Facebook page. I'll make sure that the posts from the news blog on the website are over on the Facebook side. You can check the news blog on our website if you want to do that. Tonight is the same as last week. I moved our series in John to Sunday night in order to address virus concerns in the morning service. And we closed out John chapter 15 last week, so please join me in John chapter 16, and let's begin by reading verses 1 through 4. These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues, yea, the time cometh, that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father, nor me." But these things I have told you, that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them, and these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. At the close of the previous chapter, Jesus told the eleven remaining disciples that the world would hate them. He lets them know, but don't worry, the world hated me first, he said. He also said they hated him without a cause. Jesus went on to tell them that they will face persecutions in the world for Christ's name's sake. And the reason Jesus told His disciples this is because He wanted them to press on as witnesses for Him. The Lord does not want us deterred from the work of God. Amen. We find lessons this lesson here continues into chapter 16. Jesus says in verse 1, These things I have spoken unto you that ye should not be offended. To be offended here means to be entrapped, to be tripped up by a stumbling block. It's when something comes along that causes us to be derailed from the commission which our Lord has given us to do. Jesus needed to warn them of the persecution, which was to come upon them to make sure that they would stay focused. That after His ascension, they would remember what He had said, so that when difficult times came, they would stay with the stuff. They were going to be put out of the synagogues. They were going to get to the point where it was so bad that people would feel that if they killed Christians, they were doing God a service. Just let that sink in. We find this being fulfilled throughout the book of Acts. And the reason they would do this is because they won't know God the Father. Because they wouldn't know God, they wouldn't know Christ as their Savior either. I preached last week how the two are inseparable. You can't have God and not have Christ. Likewise, you can't have Christ and not have God. They go hand in hand. Then our Lord told them that He said these things so that when the time comes, you can remember that I warned you this was going to come upon you. Jesus gave the warning because He didn't want their faith to fail when it was put to the test. It's easy to be a faithful follower of Christ when things are going well. When there are no obstacles in our path, it's easy to say that we're faithful Christians. But it's during oppositions that we find out how strong our faith really is. Jesus asked the question in Luke 18.8, When the Son of Man cometh, shall He find faith on the earth? Our faith will be tested. Will Jesus find us faithful? When He returns, will... We be among those that are found faithful. Will He find faith upon the earth? Jesus warned in the Olivet Discourse, Ye shall hear of wars, rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. But guess what Jesus says next? All these are the beginning of sorrows. Our faith is currently being tested by this pestilence known as the coronavirus. But we had better figure out where our faith is real quick because these are just the beginning of sorrows. And so we find here that uh, it's, it's easy when we realize there's nothing to deal with, but it gets difficult when there's something in our path, and then it comes to the point where we have to realize, uh, wait a minute, It's just the beginning of sorrows. Our faith is being tested. All we are witnessing around the world with wars, famines, earthquakes, and pestilences are that the contractions of the birth pangs are becoming stronger and less apart. There's no way I could have planned to land on this passage when we started John three and a half years ago. Before this virus was ever even known about. You better believe there's a God in heaven. There's a Holy Spirit that wants you to hear what's being said tonight. This coronavirus has become a stumbling block to Christians. We are being derailed, and it is so sad to watch. It's very disheartening, in fact. And one by one, people are dropping out of fear. And I feel like it's like a first time mother who doesn't know what the contractions are really like, and she wants the epidural just as soon as it gets painful. You know what I'm talking about? Come on now. <laughs> We're sitting over there wanting the epidural and we're just now in the beginning of sorrows. I'm not saying those who are vulnerable are wrong for isolating. I'm not against any who have decided to stay home. In fact, if you're sick, don't show up. Amen. I don't want you coughing on my kids. Amen. Stay focused up here. Satan doesn't want this message preached but I'm ready to say this. Those who once talked of faith and are now living in fear, you're wrong. Amen, preacher! That's good! Those who would once brag that God is in control, but now act like He isn't, you're wrong. In the song, The God of the Mountain, it says we talk of faith when we're up on the mountain But talk comes so easy when life's at its best. Now it's down in the valley of trials and temptations. That's where our faith is really put to the test. Many were talking big about faith two weeks ago. But now that we're really in the valley of trials, people's faith is being put to the test. And it's starting to get uncomfortable for some. In Matthew 13, Jesus gives the parable of the sower. He gives it in verses 3 through 9. I'm not going to read those like I had planned. Because he then gives the interpretation of that parable in the same chapter in verses 18 through 23. And I will read those to you. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. But he that receiveth seed in the stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet he hath not rooted himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he become unfruitful. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Jesus mentions in this parable, there are those who will receive the seed of the Word of God in the stony places. They will at first receive it with joy. But because it's in a stony place, it will have no root. It will endure for a season. It'll look like a good Christian for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises because of the Word by and by, they become offended. They become tripped up. Tribulations are those things which press against us and cause anguish and afflictions and burdens. Persecutions are those things which follow after us, that drive us uh, to flee. And it's clear that people are in anguish as this virus presses upon us. And in some cases, it's causing people to flee. People are being faced with the decision of work or church. Can I really go to church get sick and end up missing work. Who's your master? Who's your master? Jesus said, No servant can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Jesus Christ didn't purchase your job with His blood. He purchased the church. Don't run from the church house. You run to it. But I might get sick at church. Yeah, you might get sick going to the grocery store. You might get sick anytime you leave your house. You may not know this yet, but you might get old and die one day. <laughs> the question is asked in Jeremiah twelve five: If thou hast run with the footmen and they have wearied thee, how can thou contend with the horses? And if in the land of peace wherein thou trustest they wearied thee, then how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? You better know trials are going to come. And God usually gives us smaller trials to build us up to bigger trials. And I'm telling you tonight that we are just now seeing the beginning of things that are going to get worse and worse. Bigger trials are going to come. But if the footmen have wearied thee, how are you going to contend with the horses? I'll tell you what we used to say back in Georgia. If you can't run with the big dogs, stay on the porch. Amen. Amen. Proverbs 24.10 says, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. I'm going to level with you. If this coronavirus outbreak is causing you to stumble, your faith is weak. It's just the beginning of sorrows. And it's no wonder we don't see revival. I'm learning a lot about folks during this. I'm learning that we thought we had faith. We don't. It's no wonder the Bible says, let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. It's no wonder we don't see revival. The early church would laugh at us for our lack of faith. People are acting like God isn't in control as if God doesn't know where we are at. Matthew chapter 10 verses 29 through 31 say, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are more value than many sparrows. He knows your name. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He counts the stars one and all. He knows how much sand is on the shore. He sees every sparrow that falls. He made the mountains and the seas. He's in control of everything, of all creatures, great and small. He knows my name. I don't know what tomorrow may bring. I can't tell you what's in store. I don't know a lot of things. I don't have all the answers to the questions of life, but I know in whom I believed. And He knows my name. Remember when we used to amen that song like we really believed it? Remember when we would amen His eye is on the sparrow like we really believed it? Remember when we could say we were confident of this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ? We used to say those things and we could amen that. But now there are those who are acting like that's not true. Some act like He doesn't have control over their lives. That somehow God isn't really concerned. Some are acting like God doesn't know the plan He has for their life. Like somehow everything is now in danger of your life being cut short because there's a virus. Why is it that God would die a torturous death to save us, but then not care about us enough to see us through to the other side? Well, there's a pandemic. Yeah, God knew it was coming. I don't care what the situation is. He knows. Some would point out, well, God's people are being infected. That's true. But is God in control or not? One of my favorite preachers has the coronavirus. But that doesn't change the fact that God is in control. Did God cease to be in control when this pandemic happened? Look, you you just need to say amen and act like you agree with me tonight. And if you want to fire me after this message, that's totally fine. Because I'm going to be like the Apostle Paul who says that I have held back nothing. And I'm telling you, we've got to start manning up, put on our big boy pants, and act like we're God's children. Is God in control or not? How sad that we'll trust God for our salvation, but then doubt His watch care over us. There have been Christians thrown in jail for their faith. Was God in control? There's been Christians burned at the stake. Was God in control? There's been Christians who have died for their faith. Was God in control? There's been Christians who have been infected with this. Is God in control? He's on the throne. It's time we act like it. It's time we act like God is concerned about us. I said this morning, I'm not saying we need to be stupid and say, Do you have the virus? Will you cough into my mouth? I'm not saying we don't need to wash our hands. We're to be prudent, but we still have to live our lives. We're still called to serve Christ. Let's not retreat at the first sign of testing. Jesus taught in parable form that we are to occupy till he returns. That word occupy means to busy yourself. To be busy about the Father's business. Not withdraw in fear. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two, Have faith in God. Let me read to you from Spurgeon on having faith in God. Faith is the foot of the soul by which it can march along the road of the commandments. Love can make the feet move more swiftly, but faith is the foot which carries the soul. Faith is the all enabling the wheels of holy devotion and of earnest piety to move well. And without faith, the wheels are taken from the chariot and we drag heavily. With faith, I can do all things. Without faith, I shall neither have the inclination nor the power to do anything in the service of God. If you would find the men who serve God the best, you must look for the men of the most faith. Little faith will save a man, but little faith cannot do great things for God. Would you be comfortable and happy? Would you enjoy religion? Would you have the religion of cheerfulness and not that of gloom? Then have faith in God. If you love darkness and are satisfied to dwell in gloom and misery, then be content with little faith. But if you love the sunshine and would sing songs of rejoicing, covet earnestly this best gift, great faith, End quote. Do we really believe the scripture song we sing in Isaiah 43, 1 and 2? But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. We like to sing it because it sounds real cute. But I'm learning we don't really believe it. Well, we need to take this virus seriously. Okay, fine. Are you going to take God and His Word seriously? There are those who are taking the virus more seriously than they're taking God's Word. Where's our faith? We better take heed because we may have thought we were standing. We got a long way to go. Sad to say. James 2.18, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. We don't just say we have faith. We demonstrate that we have faith. Funny how many will look and say, you're crazy. But a few will look and say, what great faith. Where's the difference between insanity and faith? It's in the heart of the one trusting in God, and it's in the eye of the beholder for the other one. Some of you ain't amening tonight because I'm getting on your last nerve and you'll get over it. We used to amen when I would quote Les Zerby and say, Faith is going in the direction of your fears. Amen. I believe it. If I were to say that tonight and tell you faith is going in the direction of your fear, people say you're crazy. My how the tables have turned. Amen. We talk of faith when we're up on the mountain. Ain't nobody in it now. But now that there's certain to be something to be concerned about. If I say that we need to go in the direction of this fear. Who's going to follow? People love the pastor until they say things that rub them the wrong way. You can hate the messenger if you want but don't hate the message. All this outbreak has done is shown me that Christendom in general does not have great faith and that's why we're not seeing revival because we are a bunch of weak Christians. I know God's on the throne and I know He loves me, but I'm not going anywhere. Shame on us. It's no wonder we don't see God do great things. We don't care enough. The altar should have been packed today with people praying for our nation. We don't care enough. We're not crying out for God. We're content. Remember the message I preached recently where Jesus marveled. He's either going to marvel at our great faith or he's going to marvel at our lack of faith. He will either do mighty works because of our belief or he will not do mighty works because of our unbelief. In Matthew 8 verses 25 through 27, and his disciples came to him And awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. He saith unto them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But it doesn't end there. The Bible says, But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds And the sea obey him. They were scared for their life. But when Jesus came along and rebuked the sea and the winds and everything went flat. All of a sudden they're looking at the Nazarene going. That's who I better fear. Are you catching what I'm putting down? We were scared of this storm over here, but when this man named Jesus showed up and calmed it all, now all of a sudden we stand in awe of Him. You see, that's the problem today. We stand in awe of the problem. We stand in awe of the virus. We stand in awe of the storm that's raging around us as if Jesus isn't in control. And I wish to God that his spirit would so manifest itself in here tonight that he could say, Peace, be still. And everybody in here would marvel at Jesus Christ. Four services is going to kill my voice, amen? Four preachings in one day. Jesus wants our attention on him, not the storms around us. I think we need to do some soul searching. I regularly pray for revival. Brother Long can attest to that when we used to pray together in here. I know now why we don't see it. You can look at all this as a bad thing, but I see it as a good thing because it has revealed our heart. I used to say that when God took us through the valley of North Dakota... God revealed to me who I was and I didn't like it. But it was necessary to know who I was before I ever got up here. And I'm going to tell you tonight, God will bring us through some things. He wants us to know who we are. And we're not the big bad Christians we thought we were. These are just the beginning of sorrows. Trust God through all of this, please. Would you get this verse in closing? Jeremiah 29:11For I know the thoughts that I think towards you saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Jesus knows the day of your death. Amen he has an expected end. For every one of us. And if you'll just walk by faith, you're not going to do anything to jeopardize that. He knows what He's doing, He knows what He has planned for us. He has an expected end for every one of us. And yet we're acting like if I go and do this or that, my expected end is going to be cut short. That's crazy. I can see that uh, some, anyway, let's pray.